Trinity hymnals. Turn to 271. Hymn 271. How sweet and awful is the place. Sweet and awful is the place with Christ within the doors while everlasting love display the choicest of her stores while all our hearts and all of us cry with thankful tongues, Lord, why was I aghast? Why was I made to hear thy voice that sweeteth while there's room when thousands make a wretched choice? And rather starve than come. Twas the same love that spread the feast that sweetly drew us in. Else we had still refused to taste and perished in our sin. Pity the nations or our God, constrain the earth to come. Send thy victorious word abroad and bring the strangers home. We long to see thy churches fall. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for bringing us the people together. The psalm says that you've chosen us, that you've brought us in, you've opened us up, you've opened our eyes and helped us to see your love in your word. Um, without you regenerating us, opening our eyes, we would have chosen this. We would have chosen to stop doing this now. Lord, we pray you be with us. Your word for our lives. 
So, uh, total depravity. We covered this last week. Um, I gave you the definition on your paper. There's a handout if you don't have one. And then the verses that I bolded print, I want that one to turn to. So the other ones I'll just read to you, ones in bold on your paper, the ones we'll turn to and look at for um, Total depravity is fine. And then uh, one thing about this definition and the definition of unconditional elections, um, I use these definitions when I talk. Doctrines of Grace uh, approximately 20 years ago. I tried to find where I got these definitions from, but I can't find So they're not, I, I don't know where I got them from, uh, but they are really good definitions. So uh, total depravity of fun. Because of Adam's fall, man is born not merely wounded, but radically afraid and spiritually dead. In man's natural state, he is absolutely unable to affect his own this condition man is a slave to sin and not self God, having neither the ability nor the desire to repent and turn to him. He is an unregenerate man in total rebellion against God. He is totally unable to submit to God and do any good before God. And man's total rebellion against God is deserving of eternal punishment in hell. Um, then we covered Romans 3 last week, and I'll just read it to you. Romans 3, 10 through 12. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none in one. There is none who seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. There is none who does good, not even one. So the question to ask yourself is, okay, if there are none who righteous, none who seek for God, not even one, then how does anyone come to a saving faith? How does anyone come to salvation if there are none who seek for God? Well, we know the answer to that, and that's what we're going to answer today. Today's study. John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him on the last day. Right? And then we keep coming back to Ephesians 2. The foundation of verse, hopefully, you all learned this as children. Ephesians 2, 89. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Not by works, so that anyone may boast. It is a gift of God. Faith. Faith is a gift from God, given to you by God. Faith is granted to you by God. It doesn't produce work. No one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him in. Right? So that's how we're saved. The Father gives you faith. So when you ask, question, God must choose who to give faith to and who not to give faith And that, my friends, is the doctrine of election. God has to choose who he's going to grant or give the faith to. Okay? So unconditional election. The definition I have up here in your notes. It would have been perfectly just for God to leave mankind in his lost condition, but instead, he decided to choose for himself certain individuals to be his elect, his people. These chosen ones God gave to Christ in order to be redeemed. They were not chosen due to any, any foreseen merit on their part, but entirely out of God's sovereign will, good purpose, mercy, in the Children's Catechism of God, last week I actually covered the Children's Catechism of God, so I was going to ask, like, I went over with my kids, so at least some of you would know the answer. So, uh, I forgot to do it this week. But even this is the Children's Catechism. And it says, How then can you be saved? It's a question. It's question 46 in the Children's Catechism. How then can you be saved? And the answer is, By the Lord Jesus Christ, who comes in the prayers. And question 47 says, who did Christ represent in the covenant of grace? You guys remember that? A little bit, you know, who did Christ represent 
need a book to go to Ephesians chapter 1. The song says, God says, I'm blessed, I'm chosen, I'm adopted, I'm favored, I'm redeemed, and I'm forgiven. Makes me want to sing, I'm a child of the That's all in Ephesians 1. Blessed, chosen, adopted, favored, redeemed, forgiven. That's just in the first couple verses. I could also have predestined, sealed, enlightened, blessed. They're all there. Right there in Ephesians chapter 1. So let's go through Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll start with verses 3 uh, through 6. So Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. Wait, do you have that? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. Accordingly, as he hath chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love, by predestining us to adoption as sons.
foreordained a means by which you would come to him. It's all ordained by God. It's all decided by God ahead of time. Okay? Romans 8, 28. Let's go there. Romans 8, 28. Yeah. 
by the decree of God, for the manifestation of his glory. Some men angels are predestined unto eternal life, and others foreordained to eternal death. Thank you. 
And for this very purpose, I raise you up and in order to demonstrate my power in you, in order that my name might be proclaimed throughout the earth. So it says here that God raised up Pharaoh. Okay? For, for a purpose. Was it a good purpose? Was it a bad purpose? God worked it all for good, right? But Pharaoh is still under God's judgment for what he did. See that? Okay. Verse 18 says, And he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. Who is the one doing the hardening? God. God hardens who he wants to harden. 19, Romans 9, 19 to 23. Dale, do you have that? Romans 9, 19 to 23? Yes. Um, you will say to me, therefore, why then does he find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, a mere man, to talk back to God? Will what is formed say to the one who formed it? Why did you make me like this? Or has the potter no right over the clay to make from the same lump one piece of pottery for honor and another for dishonor? And what if God, wanting to display his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience objects of wrath prepared for destruction? And what if he did this to make known the riches of his glory and objects of mercy that he prepared beforehand for glory? So God hardens who he hardens, and he has mercy on whom he has mercy. So why don't you my fault? Who resists God's will? Who are you, old man, to talk back to God? Well, the thing that old men say to the Lord, why did you make me like this? The principle here is the potter has the right over the clay to make whatever he wants out of that clay. One lump for honorable use, and one for this so here as we're seeing in Romans 9, God is creating people for dishonorable use. Do you see that? But it continues. What if God wanted to demonstrate his wrath and make his power known? Endure with patience the vessels of wrath. Vessels of wrath. What are the vessels of wrath? talking about Pharaoh and Esau, right? That's the context. God is saying they were vessels of wrath. But not only that, look farther. Vessels of wrath prepared for what? Prepared for destruction. Okay. You, you understand what God is saying? God is saying that he has raised up people. He has created people for the purpose of destruction, for an object of his wrath. This is, for some people, a really hard pill to swallow. But here it is, plain in Scripture. And why does he do it? In order that we might know the riches of his glory upon the vessels of mercy, which he prepared before him for glory. This isn't the only place in Scripture we see that. 1 Peter 2, 
persons have crept in unnoticed. He's talking about false teachers here. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who are long beforehand marked out for condemnation. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our Master and Lord Jesus Christ. The false teachers were marked out for condemnation. And he says later in verse 13 of Jude, for those, they are those for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. Proverbs 16, 4.